out of the CIA's internal culture and discipline, or the professionalism among its officers. I don't want to hide behind the cliché often cited by those who've run the CIA, that our relatively few failures become public, while our many successes remain secret. But there is more than a little truth to that. In over thirty years, I never saw or participated in a rogue operation— something the CIA executed on its own without explicit approval from the White House. My seven overseas postings, interspersed with headquarters assignments, also made me understand how valuable it is that the CIA plants its flag in almost every country. The President and other members of the U.S. national security community cannot know when a country will suddenly take on strategic importance. Grounding in foreign capitals— and an ability to influence events through covert means is critical for Washington. No one can provide those things better than the CIA. I want to set the record straight, to the best of my ability, for history's sake, about the agency's essential intelligence contributions to national security. And I want to talk about the future of the CIA post-Iraq and Afghanistan, with the nation fatigued by large ground wars, but still in need of protection against an array of enemies, from Al-Qaeda to the Mexican drug cartels, from Iran to North Korea. Like it or not, a powerful intelligence service capable of stealing secrets from our adversaries and mounting effective covert operations is, for the United States, an imperative of modern statecraft. I hope, after many years of war, we do not come to resemble those whom T.S. Eliot wrote about at the end of World War I in his poem, The Hollow Men. In it, he describes leaders as shape without form, shade without color, paralyzed force, gesture without motion. I saw few such people in the CIA. The model truck on my windowsill speaks to my ability and the efficacy of covert action. It is true that the CIA's biggest mistakes involved covert action, but it is also true that these mistakes, without exception, also involved operations carried out at the behest of presidents pursuing flawed policies. And for every covert action that failed spectacularly, there have been others that enabled presidents and policymakers to achieve ends in the nation's interest with an unseen hand, which is almost always preferable to a heavy footprint. Through hard experience, including running all CIA operations in the mid-1990s, I understand the difference between good covert action that is effective and representative of the best of American values, and bad covert action that is poorly conceived and destined to fail. I have developed over the years a set of principles designed to ensure the former and prevent the latter. It's time that the policymakers and Congress conduct a comprehensive review of covert action its appropriate use, and general principles of operation, so we can come to a better appreciation of what the CIA can do for the nation at this complex moment in our history. Needless to say, this can't become a public debate about ongoing operations that would jeopardize our people, allies, and national interests. Such a discussion can more appropriately be handled through the existing oversight process. But it is, nevertheless, imperative. I have been engaged in all aspects of the spy business. I've written in invisible ink and run black bag jobs. I have argued against flawed coup plots and directed the largest covert action of the Cold War. I spoke out inside the CIA against the operation in the mid-1980s to send missiles to Iran 
to no avail, and ran the clandestine service during the drawdown after the Cold War and the aftermath of two devastating betrayals, one by the CIA mole Aldrich Ames and the other by the FBI turncoat Robert Hansen. I am writing this memoir now to demonstrate the necessity of using the CIA and covert action to their fullest potential at this critical period of history. If not, we will have lost the opportunity to exploit these important tools of statecraft with potentially grave consequences. After spending billions on intelligence since the 9-11 terror attacks, I still believe we're under-investing in spies. Instead, we have been militarizing intelligence in a way that ultimately will detract from our ability to engage in espionage and conduct covert action. I'm not an apologist for the CIA, and I have publicly criticized certain of its practices. Thomas Polgar, the legendary CIA...